Hey, mother. Welcome to the party, pal. Welcome to another edition of Yippie Kaye Mother Podcast. I'm Ralph Quartucci. I'm Sean Paul Murphy, and this is my lovely wife, Debbie. I'm Michelle Wojo Wojcikowski. This is my sidekick and partner in crime, Brad Barrowy. I'm John Quatrucci. And I'm Drew Gould. Well, welcome, everybody. Uh, Wojo, that's some strange face I'm looking at that I haven't seen on this podcast before. Could you please introduce this person? Ralph, you've been on the whole time. Oh, no. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) I'd like to welcome our special guest this week, Lou Diamond Phillips, highly accoladed. Uh, that was not a word. Okay. <laughs> I am acclimated. And it begins. I'm going to do that again, and you can edit it, Ralph. I heard for a living. No, leave that in because I am acclimated. Use words. Lots of acclimated. words for living. Very acclimated. Okay. All right, here we go again. I hate you guys, everyone except Luke and Brad. Okay. Um, yeah, I would like to introduce our special guest this week. We have renowned actor Lou Diamond Phillips, who's here, and he's going to be talking about a movie he was in. And then we're going to open it up and ask some questions, and we'll probably get into arguments and fight like we usually do. And- Conflict. <laughs> While we're at Lou, we're thrilled to have you. As I explained earlier, the way this works is one of our guests uh, brings a movie to the table. We'll call it the table. I'm going to show you why in a second. And then uh, I'm going to ask you why you chose the movie. And then normally what happens is we defend the movie. Some, some of these, I've had to defend a couple of movies I've brought on. A lot of, sometimes we nail it where everybody loves the movie. I don't think we're going to have any conflict today, but we'll see. Um, here's why we call it, I'm going to try to share a screen, see how this goes. This is why we call it, we're bringing the movie to the table. I don't know if you can see that. There you go. Uh, it literally started on our pool table in my basement. <laughs> So nice. what, is the movie, what is the movie you have brought to the table today? Uh, the, the film that I brought is uh, The 33, uh, about the uh, Chilean miners that were trapped in that mining collapse uh, in 2010. Uh, it is most definitely one of the, if not the most international casts I've ever been uh, fortunate to be a part of. Uh, and uh, I also, I mean, I, I, I recommend that one a lot lately uh, because, it's, first of all, it's one of my more recent feature films. Uh, but it's also one that I, that I felt uh, was a bit underseen. It, it, it became a victim of uh, scheduling and uh, marketing and, you know, just all of those things in the universe that uh, artists and filmmakers don't have any control over. Uh, and so, uh, unfortunately, I think it's one that maybe a lot of people have missed. Uh, and uh, instead of watching La Bamba for the 10th time, I, you know, recommend that people watch uh, another 33 you just, you just answered about five questions. You don't even know one. how bad I wanted to do La Bamba. Oh, All right. Well, no. Which we actually watched last weekend. Because so. Brad had never seen it. <laughs> okay, so before I get started, let me show the trailer, if that's okay. And, uh, oh, very good. He called it a trailer this Thank week. Thank you. Finally. You love birds? Get the sonogram yet? It's a boy. It's a girl. It's a boy. It's a girl. Congratulations on your retirement. Two weeks and you're a free man. Is that the only way in? The only way in, the only way out. How much longer? About an hour. We may be looking at a weakness in the mountain's internal structure. She's an old man. It's my job to keep this man safe.
serious accident just occurred at the San Jose mine. Say something, I'm giving up on you. That's a big rock. That's not a rock. That's the heart of the mountain. She finally broke. And I... 33 men trapped underground. And we don't even know if they're alive. We all know how this goes. The government tells us how much they care. And they do nothing. was over my head. How long do they have? There's food and water for three days. At all. I knew this place was dangerous. Nobody's blaming you. You are my brother. We gotta pull together to get out of here. Three platforms are now in place specialized in deep drilling. Say that we better than a huge rock twice the size of the Empire State Building shifted. We are running out of time. It's not a question of if it falls, but when. I'm not leaving without him. If that is our last supper, I quit. <laughs> last thing we need is these men dying with the whole world watching. 33 men on the ground. 300 mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, and we are their only hope. Let's get ourselves some miners. I believe we'll make it out of here because, because I choose to believe it. All 33 of us. Say something. See you, old man. Up there. Yeah. Got chills all okay. over again. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> um... Okay, take it away. Who, Ralph? Who take it away? I think yeah. Lou. I want to uh, yeah. Lou. Um, wait, first I got to change my hat. Sorry. Uh, oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Was that the director's they, they hat? And this now too. this is the critic's yeah. hat. Now, okay, <laughs> we're ready. I can't compete. Uh, I, I put the, I won't, <laughs> let's see if I put the light on. That might. Be, yeah, that's a problem. No, yeah, don't put the light on. on. Yeah, I got to kill all the lights to be effective. Yeah. There. Um, <laughs> uh, I. Just want to say that I hadn't seen the movie on the first run. Like you said, a lot of people missed it. And yeah. it's, a, it's a touching film. Touching film. And Thank you so much. I just can't wait to hear some of the stories that you're going to have. Um, again, I want to let you explain what, what brought you to this film, first of all. And then some uh, of the experiences you had making it. Because it's, it's an amazing film. I was like, okay, let's just back up to, say, casting. Okay. Uh, and I read this, you know, this was not an offer. I read this. I, I got wind of the fact that they were making this film. Um, and uh, Antonio uh, Banderas, Antonio Banderas, the very smooth and sexy star. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, this is the voice that I use for Victor Delgado on Adina Pablo. Uh, it's my Antonio Banderas impression. So, um, I, you know, I got wind of this, of this, uh, film and I thought, you know, I told, I told my manager, I gotta be in this man. I, whatever it takes, I, you know, it, it just seems natural that, you know, that, uh, there, there's gotta be a role for me in there some way, somehow, you know, and then didn't hear for a while, didn't hear for a while. I was actually doing a guest spot on a very short lived, uh, uh, television series called Ironside that Blair Underwood was the, uh, the, the mm -hmm. lead in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, uh, literally um, got the call the night before uh, I was, I was scheduled to work at the Warner brothers lot. Wow. Uh, yeah. And, and it was like, okay, you got an audition with the director, Patricia Riggin. Uh, she's going to be in Los Angeles from 11 a.m. to 2, uh, to 2 you know, p.m. And then she's getting on a plane back to, you know, Bogota, Colombia. And it's like, I, 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 I'm, I'm working. I'm, I'm working. <laughs> You know, I, 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 you know, and, and, and by the way, this was uh, down in uh, the, uh, the audition was 
I think down like in Culver City and in LA, you just know from Burbank to Culver City is a nightmare. Yep. <laughs> okay, so um, uh, the director, fortunately for me, is a man named Alex Zarchevsky, uh, who had directed me a bunch of times on numbers. And uh, uh, first thing in the morning, I went to my sit. Uh, I know I'm in three scenes, you know, today, and there's like two that I'm not in. Is there any way? that you can flip the schedule a little bit and, and break me early for lunch because I'm going to need about 90 minutes, you know, to get from <laughs> to Culver City to go, to go get this meeting. He goes, what's it for? And then he's, he's like, I think he's Polish or Czech. And he's like, what, what is it for? I said, it's this amazing film that I really want to be a part of, and this is my one shot. I got two hours <laughs> to get in to, to, to get an appointment, you know, for, um, right. for this director. And he goes, go, go, go. Don't worry. I figure it out. I do this all the time. And every time I send someone to do this, they get the job. So go. I'm busting ass. I'm running every, you know, pink light. Uh, uh, all the way there. <laughs> I, I, I get there and literally I sit down and now I'm, you know, tick, 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 tick. And I'm in the waiting room, you know, hoping, you know, thinking maybe they can jump me to the, you know, top of the list. And believe me, being Lou Diamond Phillips doesn't always have its perks. Um, <laughs> and then I start getting the phone calls. From the first AD. Uh, so you done yet? You on your way back yet? I'm like, no. <laughs> you know? And at this point, there's no script. You know, there's just these sides of, of made-up scenes because Patricia is still working on uh, uh, on the script. She's doing a rewrite. And uh, so sure enough, I go in. I, I, I audition with, you know, uh, a couple of the fake scenes. Uh, which it doesn't even tell you what character you're playing, you know, it's minor <laughs> three, minor four, you know, and, and um, this, this has only happened to me a handful of times in my career where literally she says cut uh, on the second scene and she goes, okay, you're going to be in my movie. <laughs> wow. <I was> like, <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. Great. She goes, yeah, I just don't know what yet. <laughs> 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 I mean, no, don't worry, it's whatever. You know, wow. carry the water. I don't care. Uh, and so, yeah, and, and so then I, I made it back. Uh, literally pulled into the Warner Brothers lot and walked straight from my car into rehearsal for wow. my, my my next scene. So uh, it was. Wow. And, and I was ahead of go. I said, I think I got the job. I, I, <laughs> you know. Yeah, crazy. But then, of course, the offer doesn't come in for a couple of weeks. I'm like, did she? pull a fast one on me, you know, but no, yeah, it eventually did come in. How, how long, long is it between, that, how long after that happened did you start filming the movie? I was just going to uh, It was a while, actually. Uh, that, uh, it was a little bit because they had a lot of prep. Um, and uh, uh, we shot in real mines. Uh, uh, two That's... of them, yeah, two wow. of them outside Bogota, Colombia, uh, in a little mining town called Zipaquera. One has already been turned into an altar because it's like 500 years old. It's like a tourist wow. track uh, of where, where most of the mining, uh, most of the uh, interior scenes were shot. Uh, and uh, it was a, a retired wow. salt mine. The second one was a working salt mine. And believe it or not, even though it was the bigger one that you could drive trucks into, it was far more noxious. Uh, wow. The first one... You literally, yeah, and, and you can tell how we've all gotten taller over the centuries. 
because the first one was built for freaking dwarves. I literally, you know, I had, you know, I had to, to, to uh, walk bent over uh, for about 300 yards to get into the interior of the mine before it opened up into, you know, sort of cavernous spaces. Wow. Uh, the second one we could drive into, but we drove into uh, a mile or so into the midst of the mountain. And so therefore all, uh, all of the noxious fumes, everything else that was there is trapped there. And a number of people actually had to, you know, get out uh, wow. before, uh, you know, during filming. Because, I mean, once you go in, you're in there for 12 hours. Uh, That's amazing. Gosh. Yeah. Everybody but, assumes but, you're in a set. I mean, like a Yeah, no, set. 100% they think you're in a set. But no. And, and, and so they had to run cable. They had to get, you know, wow. all of the equipment in. But, I mean, fortunately, you know, I mean, if you're shooting in the middle of a mine, it's, nobody's going to steal your equipment. <laughs> was a That's a good point. You know, uh, uh, so yeah, and then the exterior of that, that the exterior of that mine was actually in the Atacama Desert in Chile, about one mile away from where the actual event happened. Oh, so wow. we we were we were dealing with the real townspeople uh, uh, quite often. A, a lot of people in those big crowd scenes were actually there, you know, ten years ago uh, uh, when it all happened. Oh, wow. um, the funny story about about pre production. Is that so? I literally got a call, you know, uh, when the offer came in. I got a call from Patricia going, "Okay, uh, uh, I, I know what role you're going to play. You're going to play Don Lucho, the the uh, the shift foreman." You know, uh, I, I could not believe how lucky I got because it is a, an amazingly beautiful role. Uh, but she goes, "Okay, I need you to go on a crash diet. You got to go on a crash diet now." I went, okay, all right, okay, uh, great, wonderful. Uh, and the first thing that the producers did was send us to. Um, the, uh, uh, the the doctor who, who uh, uh, is in charge of the the, the biggest loser, So me and Jacob Vargas and Tinoche, uh, uh, they we we went there. Uh, um, there were a few people who weren't cast yet. Uh, Antonio was in uh, Madrid, so he wasn't there. But you know, we did one day, one day uh, with these guys. And I'm, I, I think I'm in pretty good shape. I've managed to stay within, you know, striking distance, I like to call it. I thought they were going to freaking kill me. I thought they were It was ridiculous. So um, they put us on a 1,500-calorie-a-day a diet. I actually dropped it. I, 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 went, to, I went for 1,000 and wow. four hours of cardio a day, and I stopped lifting wow. weights and all that other stuff to lose the muscle mass. Gosh. So I'm, I'm doing like – I'm doing this for like a month, maybe five weeks, maybe five and a half. When I get a call from Patricia, and I've already dropped 15 pounds, uh, and so I get a call from Patricia, and, and I'm, I remember this. I was I was at a Cape Mantelines in in, uh, in the valley, and I ordered my chicken pyar with a side of stewed spinach. And that's what I was, you know, that was my dinner. <laughs> so uh, um, I get the call. She goes, "How are you?" And you made a little small talk. Okay, I have some bad news, and I'm thinking, "Oh my God, what?" They, they pulled the plug on film was going she goes one of our sets burned down so we had to change the schedule i now need you to put the weight back on oh oh <laughs> no oh it hurt yeah oh, it hurt. <laughs> oh, oh wow yeah God. and i said so when are we gonna lose the weight she said over christmas break oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> even worse so yeah. Uh, so know, how did I, you put the weight back on? How much? I did immediately you walked back in and ordered a cheeseburger. Yeah. <laughs> 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 strawberry shape, you know. I just, uh, 
How much yeah, did you ultimately the, lose? Uh, for that, I, I think I lost somewhere in the vicinity of, you know, 20, 25 pounds. Wow. Uh, yeah, I got, I got down into the mid-50s. I think I was at, you know, 180 to start. So, wow. yeah. Wow. Uh, over, over the course of it, you know, uh, and, 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 you know, you can, you can sort of see it, you know, in, in the middle there. Oh yeah. Uh, and it was, and it was a, um, you know, so yeah, I had to get back up to, I, I didn't get all the way back up. I think I got back up to like 175 or something like that. And then, uh, uh, between Thanksgiving and Christmas, which was, <laughs> oh my God, it was heartbreaking, <laughs> freaking heartbreaking, oh. you know, and I cooked, so I, I did a lot of cooking, but I did not do a lot of eating. Wow. Christmas yeah. spinach. Nice. Go ahead, Sean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sean, Sean, we can't hear you. Oh, you can't hear me? Now we can. Now we Did can. you continue to lose weight during the shoot while in the mine? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, once, once uh, uh, it was going to be this gradual kind of thing. Uh, so uh, um, we started at a normal weight and then I started slowing down, you know, eating, eating less, working out whenever I could. And the thing about uh, where we were filming it, I mean, literally, it was, it was not difficult to get into a, a quarantine mindset, which we all are now anyway. Yeah. But where we were filming in this tiny little town, Zipakira, uh, I mean, Bogota was nice. We were there for a couple of weeks because we were doing our rehearsals. We were doing our script readings and meetings and whatnot, our wardrobe fittings. But once we actually started filming, we got moved to Zipakira because – even though it was like 60 miles outside of Bogota, that's a three-hour, you know, trip uh, because of the traffic. The traffic in Bogota, Colombia, oh is worse than Los Angeles. Okay. So they moved us out to uh, Zipaquira, uh, and it was not a hotel. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it was a Rutgers motel uh, that was built in a big horseshoe, two stories, uh, and every door is open to, you know, the outside. Uh, and there was like this gap of the, you know, like, you know, a, 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 an inch to a quarter of an inch under each every door. Our, our back door balconies opened up onto this beet field that went on for like miles to the mountain. And it was cold, man. It was cold. Uh, and I, I, I slept in clothes, you know, and, and half the time, I mean, you know, you, we're, we're shirtless and everything in the mic is supposed to be so sweltering hot. No, it's freaking freezing. Oh, okay. wow. And uh, we all, we all underwent. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm, I'm still working out, you know, uh, what else is there to do? Uh, <laughs> and Come on a podcast. I mean, you know, you know uh, no, not, no, not a lot of Wi-Fi in Zipakira. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and so you're lucky if you got your phone call. Uh, we didn't always have hot water. Oh, uh, uh, so you, you can literally get home after having all the makeup and everything smeared all over you and, you know, the glycerin and all that stuff and, and not have hot water. Uh, oh my God. you know, so, so it was, it was, it was rough conditions. It was, it was literally like, you know, you know, being, being incarcerated and then, you know, <laughs> and then uh, taken, taken to the mines to go act. So it was, uh, but then uh, you remembered what the miners went through and didn't say saying. anything about right. it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah, this is tough, but that was really tough. Yeah, seriously. Mm -hmm. Wow. Do we need to do a recap of the film or did you, anybody want to recap it or what it's, you know, Lou, you well, want to explain podcast, what the movie's Ralph, about? What do you want to do? Yeah, it's your podcast. Well, I yeah, think Ralph, I it's think your podcast. <laughs> spoiler alert, they got out. Right. Anybody who was living under a rock like them in 2010, uh, I mean, that's what's what's miraculous about it. It's, yeah. yeah it, it, what's miraculous about it? I mean, first of all, when you when you think of that 
collapse, how no one was was uh, mortally wounded. I mean, even a broken leg would probably ensure yeah, you. Right now, yeah. you know, so so no one was was mortally wounded in the collapse itself, and mm-hmm. then uh, to go sixty nine days. Uh, um, so I mean, they they it escapes my mind how how long it took to actually find them. Uh, uh, I think seventeen days. Uh, to actually realize that they were still alive, uh, and then to you know get get uh, um, uh, food. I mean, they got astronaut food at first, yeah. Yeah. right? To sort of right. wean them back on, and then water and stuff like that. Uh, to uh, uh, they, were, I mean, they were literally on death's door, um, and you know, kind of like a little movie called La Bamba, which I'm sure none of you have seen. <sighs> you know, you know the ending. Uh, no. It's not. It's not that. That's not the point. You know how it ends. The point is the right. journey. And that's what gets you in the film. It's a, yeah. and, and the cast, like you mentioned earlier, the international cast is insane. I mean, yeah. I also, I have to give Patricia Riggin a huge, uh, I, it was, first of all, it was brilliant to, to hire a female director, uh, but to hire a Mexican American female director who, who has a, a automatic cultural uh, connection to the story. But mm-hmm. even more so, what I think she brought in, which maybe no other director or male director would not have done, was the family aspect. What right. was going on above ground right. was equally as important to her. The amazing mm-hmm. uh, performances by Juliette Binoche and Cote de Pablo mm-hmm. and Kate del Castillo and little Naomi Scott, who became Princess Jasmine after that. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, to tell the story of what the families were going through was equally as important as what the men were going through down below. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and to focus on that, not as, uh, as an action film or as a thriller or a survival mm-hmm. story, but a very human, family-based, faith-based story, I think was something that Patricia mm-hmm. really brought to the table. Wow. And, and that's a great point. Um, when Brad and I were watching, well, I, I remember when it actually happened, it was one of those things that you get stuck to the TV watching, you know, when you tune in every day, have they found them yet? Have they found, you know, and, and that kind of thing. Um, and Brad and I were talking about how horrifying it had to be for everyone. So the mice don't know if they're even looking for them for a while. They don't know if they're going to live. They don't know what's going to happen. And then all the, fa- I can't imagine being the family members mm-hmm. and, and going through that. I mean, the whole thing. Which, I mean, the, 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 the beauty of it is, is that, you know, I mean, social media is certainly much bigger now than it was then. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the world watched this. However, this might have gotten swept under the rug and mm-hmm. covered up because, because you know, it's, it's, it was embarrassing, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. If, and that's brought out in the movie. They talk yeah, about it's that. not implied. It's, 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 yeah, it's, it's not, not even come implied. out in the media right. and the world's eye is not trained on this. They might have gone, okay, it's a tragedy, but, you know, oh, nothing was done wrong. It's all fine. You know, right. it, it, it became it became a global obsession to save these men. Mm-hmm. Well, and and she threw some humor in there that I thought was pretty nice with the the guy with the two, the mistress and the wife. This, and true yeah. story, right? I mean, yeah. 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 That, Which is human interest like, part about it. You know, right. I mean, the, the truth is stranger than fiction. This guy, you know, uh, and, 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 and by the way, he makes Oscar Nunez look like Clark Gable. <laughs> yeah. right, right, right. Yeah. I love Oscar. Right. You know, right. You know, how this guy had a wife with a mistress, she kind of go, wow. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Lou. And, Lou, and, so uh, I have a question. Sorry. No. Did, you, did you actually meet any of the minors prior to shooting the oh. film? Oh. 
Wow. Uh, not, cool. not before we got down to uh, 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 Colombia, but they flew in a lot of people. Uh, Mario, Mario Sepulveda, who is, you know, who Antonio Banderas played, he mm-hmm. was there all the time. Wow. He was there all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and always, uh, I mean, much like the other true stories that I've done, La Bamba, Stand and Deliver, you know, uh, the, mm-hmm. this one had the blessing of the people involved. Well, they and, mentioned, uh, what was interesting, you're talking about social media. Now, these guys are buried, and they're figuring out that they're becoming heroes up top, right? Yeah. And they all band together and go, okay, we're going to, if anything comes out about this, we're going to band together and it's, we're going to have one voice. Yeah. Um, and that's a fascinating part of this film that they're, they're knowing all the stuff going on up top. They don't know if they're going to get out and they're, right. you know, and yeah. it becomes this beautiful. So now he's down there helping you guys make the film. It's got to be pretty amazing for him. Well, it's, I mean, it's, it's very true to form because that was Mario. That was Mario. He was you know, he's the, the cheerleader and the, you know, the storyteller and the, the outsized personality, you know, whereas like my guy, you know, Don Lucho, uh, very quiet, man. Very, you know, just, just this really sort of internal man, you know, was, uh, and, and I took a lot of cues from him, you know, uh, uh, what, what, uh, from the, and, and then the guilt, the guilt That's that he had, was he was ask. the boss. I was going to ask that because it implied that he felt not responsible, but kind of almost responsible. And did yeah. you pick that up from the real guy? Did he feel that way? I picked it up from the real guy and also knew that, you know, that he had filed a couple of complaints, you know. Prior that, to it happening? Yeah, that never made it all the way to the top, apparently. Or if they did, who knows? Ignored, you yeah. know. Uh, uh, he, he, was, he was constantly aware of, uh, of the safety, you know, uh, precautions. And uh, I, I think they'd had a uh, – um, this company had had other uh, uh, difficulties in the past, and and, and uh, you know a few other people had died. Uh, uh, I mean, you know, the, the sad thing is that is that you know, and it's one of the reasons why I wish the film had done better because then all the miners had a financial stake in it. They all got money for it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They they got money for their initial rights, but they would they would have gotten a percentage had the film. You know, I mean, I think it it did okay. Uh, but if it had been a runaway hit, then then they would have done. They, and they got cheated. no compensation for the accident from the mining company, right? No, as a matter of fact, they lost the lawsuit. They oh, lost. Wow. They said that at the end. They said yeah. that at the end. They went the in the mine. The Chilean, the Chilean uh, courts found no fault. No fault. Can you imagine? Yeah. Yeah. Did they at least get paid for the days that they were down there? Oh yeah. Yeah. They got. They got. They got. They got paid for their rights. They got paid for their involvement. Uh, they were flown. <laughs> You know, to Bogota to come visit the set. Uh, they were since they lived in Chile. They they um, they were there. I mean, that was that was an amazingly emotional experience to have the premiere down there. Uh, we met with the you know the the then president of Chile. Uh, she loved the lady, and you know to have all of the uh, uh, the miners there, and to see them get a standing ovation at the end of the film. Mm. Uh, because yeah. they, they brought them all out on the stage afterwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, same thing in, in uh, Mexico City, where we held another premiere, and then in Los Angeles uh, at the Beverly Hills Film Festival. So, uh, um, so they got to go to them. all those? They yes. Got- were, yeah, oh, yeah. that's great. Mike Medavoy and the producers uh, uh, flew them all in. So, uh, and know, did this, all of us, this- did all 33 go? Uh, no, not always. Uh, uh, we were always just a few shy, you know, so... Um, uh, but for the most part, they uh, we, we we got as many as we could. Were you there when they all, shot that last there. scene on the beach? Yes, uh, you were there. Wow! No, 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 no. That oh. was that was the second. That was the second unit shot. Oh. While that was, we were that shooting, was amazing. While yeah. we had our our whole crew down there in Chile, they 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 uh, peeled off a second unit uh, uh, group and filmed that on the beach there in Chile. 
that so was an amazing that that's that, that section was, awesome. was amazing. Really that was, was great. I'm amazed. I had a, they, I had a go ahead. Go I'm ahead. Sorry. Go well, ahead. I, I I had a question. There's there's something I don't know if it was intended or not, but it was in the structure of the movie. First of all, your character really resonated with me because my late father-in-law was a safety engineer. So there is a loneliness to that job that I thought you conveyed yeah. uh, in a very real way. But I realized the way that the movie is set up down in the mine and also up top, there are there's two men that are both quiet and have a lot on their shoulders and clearly feel what they're feeling but don't want to upset other people. So it was your character and Rodrigo Santoro. Yeah. And uh, you said this is a, um, you know, the most international cast you've ever worked with which is yeah. very exciting. But then I realized, I don't think you guys had a scene together. So no. it's, it's one. like yeah, one. Yeah, oh, one scene. Okay. Because yes. then I, I was thinking about like, I kind of, I kind of want to know that they shook hands or something. Cause the, the way they gave you the, the closing of the movie was, yeah, it was very great. moving. It was a very, very, uh, and, and once, but true to life. Right. Uh, uh, Don Lucho insisted on being the last guy out. He, wow. I, 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 I always get choked up about it because it, it's very true. He insisted on being his boss. He wanted all of his men to get the safety because there was still a possibility that, sure. that, that the Phoenix could, could malfunction. Yeah, I can't imagine the first guy going up or down that Phoenix thing. Uh, yes. oh, yeah. oh, my Lord. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, when you go into this film and you find out you're going to actually be shooting in a, in a mine. It was exciting. Exciting. No claustrophobic people. Everybody dove in. No problem. Mine could yeah, yeah, You know, I mean, you know, you kind of have to wrap your head around it. You know, and and uh, mm. eventually you get you know uh, you get used to it, um, acc- acclimated, uh, which is a good word that I think my friend Wojo has taught me. But it has to help put you in the mindset that they were in. I mean, you were only there for fourteen hours a day, exactly. So you can extrapolate what they must have been going through, right? One hundred percent. I mean, sometimes there's just no acting, you know, yeah. involved. Yeah. And 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 for us, I mean, it, 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 once again, I mean. Even though we had all lost weight, we had a crew of probably a dozen or more uh, um, makeup artists. Some of them, uh, you know, who, who uh, have, have appeared on the on the, that show Face Off, you know, because it was about effects. It was about yeah. shadowing and contouring and everything else. So we would go through these this whole massive um, makeup uh, uh, run, which took a couple hours every morning, you know, wow. uh, uh, and then go into the mine, you know, in shifts to shoot to shoot scenes. Uh, I mean, it was it was a massive undertaking. I mean, uh, Patricia was really the general of an army. I mean, she you know she they would figure out shifts. Okay, we're going to shoot these scenes here and these scenes here, and and then and then save uh, uh, all the big crowd scenes for later when we have all of you know the thirty three you know principal actors and background people in in place. Um, and and the, another interesting fact is I can't grow a full beard. If you can, if, if, if you know, you look at Prodigal Son. That's what I can grow, okay? But I, I had started growing that uh, when Patricia looked at me and she looked at Antonio and she goes, you guys can't have the same facial hair. You get, we're putting a full beard on you. I went, oh, I can't Wait, wait, one. Antonio can't grow a beard either? <laughs> no, Antonio grew that because that's oh. what the real Mario Sopoca okay. looked like. But they didn't want me to look like Antonio. So every morning they had to put a oh. big beard on me. Wow. Oh, that was a fake job. beard? They hand-laid it. They hand-laid the beard every morning. Did an amazing job. Wow. Yeah, I didn't know that. I couldn't have told. Well, the yeah. makeup was really terrific in the movie. It and really once was. Once again, I mean, just, just one of the things that I, I feel badly that, that it did not get its due. You know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, we, ended, we ended up coming out against James Bond 
uh, and uh, uh, peanuts like right before Thanksgiving. Uh, yeah. And, well, how and, can you compete with that? I mean, come on. Yeah. No, peanuts. and I loved, I loved that. We fell right in the middle, and you know, we're a story about a bunch of brown guys. I mean, just you know, I don't know. I, I, I thought the trailer was lovely, but once it didn't, it didn't blow the socks off uh, in its opening weekend. But it's up against James Bond, so what the hell are you going to do? Right. You know, right. Yeah, they, they, they let it go. And one of the things that I feel was really uh, unfortunate is that mm-hmm. they, they, they did not mount an Oscar campaign. I mean, I'm a member of the Academy, and mm-hmm. I asked. They, they, didn't, they didn't do a screening for the Academy. They wow. didn't send out DVDs. They didn't send out DVDs. That's so anybody shame. who missed it in the theater <sighs> was going to stand no chance wow. of seeing it. And like you said about the makeup, the makeup, it was James Horner's last Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, I saw that. That was yeah. you know it was his last score, you know, yeah. and it's brilliant and, and very different know, too for him. It was very different for him, you know. And you know, and Antonio Banderas, Juliette Binoche, you know, and Rodrigo Santor. There were so many worthy performances that you know that, that I, I Gabriel just, Byrne. I was surprised. Gabriel Byrne, amazing. Once again, I mean, you know, we got we got that with the Irish Chileans, the Brazilian Chileans, and the Filipino Chileans. Bob Gutton, Bob Gutton playing the Chilean president. You know, the Spaniard Chileans. Have no idea. This podcast is going to blow it up. You'll see. There you go. You'll see. Well, at least there'll be there'll be ten more people wanting to watch it. I mean, well, I said at least, especially if they subscribe. <laughs> so smooth. Man. He, he does this every week and has <laughs> imagine the 33 minors, we might get those guys too, hopefully. But, uh, <laughs> no, they don't speak English, which is a funny thing too. Oh, none the of them speak person. any English? I'm the only, I was the only person in the cast who was not bilingual. I'm a provincial American, I'm embarrassed to say. Everybody <laughs> in, in the, the club. Cast, yeah, they, you know, Patricia would give the direction. Wow. The first AD would give the direction, and they'd look at me, I'm going, <laughs> they have to repeat it for me. You know, well, everybody else a little is isolated, Oscar right? Nunez, Jacob Vargas, you know, everybody else is bilingual except me. I'm curious if there was another version of this movie, you know, like a local version of it, a Chilean version of it, or TV movie. Uh, or I, I think there was a really, really, really low budget version uh, done uh, uh, shortly after the actual event that was uh, mm. made in Chile only for like Chilean TV or something, mm. you know. Uh, but I mean, that was you know that was obviously the choice uh, yeah. to to do it in English with an international cast, uh, which is why I mean you know uh, on a thirty two million dollar budget it still made money, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Uh, right. Ultimately, yeah, which is you know thank God. Um, uh, but but you know Mike Metaboy had spent a lot of time in Chile. And he wanted this story to be as big as, as could be possible, you know. And, and it's interesting because, I mean, you know, what do you do? You know, I mean, I, I was in Che that Steven Soderbergh directed and Benicio Del Toro was in. That was done in Spanish. It was a six-hour movie, but incredibly underseen as well because it, it was viewed as an art house niche film, mm-hmm. you know. But then, you know, you got Roma which was yeah. probably made for less than $5 million, yep. you know, and that exploded. Uh, and it blows up. Yeah. yeah. You know, so, but you've also got an Oscar winning director at the helm. So, you know, I mean, it's who knows, man, uh, it's, it's such a crapshoot. What's going to catch fire and what's yeah. not yeah. Yeah. lightning in a bottle. What, yeah. what would you say was one of the most important things you learned from doing this movie? Wow. Um, you know, it's 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 something that that I didn't necessarily learn, but that 
gets uh, repeated and resonates with me forever. And that human stories are human stories. You know, Mm -hmm. Uh, this story would have been just as resonant if it had happened in West Virginia, if it had happened in Wales, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, when, when I look at some of the films that, that have uh, resonated the most and stood the test of time, it's, it's, it's because it's, there's a universality that, that that transcends language. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, this is about, about people. This is about their families. This is about survival. It's about what's important to all of us. And uh, ultimately, at the end of the day, too, it's also about faith, you know, yeah. faith, faith in, the, in, in your own strength and faith in the human condition and faith that miracles do happen. And, mm-hmm. and so uh, this is why these films are important. This, it reminds me of why I became an actor, you know, uh, of why I'm a writer, uh, because mm-hmm. you want to tell stories that, that uh, uh, touch people and that remind you of your own humanity. Uh, and, and hopefully remind you that, that we're all in this together, you know, that, that yeah. this, this racism that we're dealing with now, this xenophobia, this, this lack of a, an ability to reach out to people who don't look like you, um, we, all, we all want the same things. We all need the same things. We all, at our core, uh, are, are human beings. Uh, our, our soul is without color. And, and so, uh, <laughs> you know, when, when I tell international stories like this, or even La Ramba, which is about the American dream, you know, mm-hmm. standing deliver about the American dream, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it, 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 these are not niche stories. These are not about, you know, remote communities. Uh, the, these, these are stories that, that many, many people can, uh, can relate to. Well, it's funny going in because you see as the movie starts in that first party scene you guys have and they start introducing everybody. Well, they're about to have a baby. Oh, something bad's going to happen over there. All these like cliches are lining up to be cliches, and the movie gets you anyway, because mm-hmm. it is about the stories that are down there and up top, and the way everybody came together, and the way the Chilean mine minister is working with the you know he never gave up that guy at any minute. Yeah. The same. Oh, oh, by the way, the one scene we had together was the overlap. We were finishing our uh, underground scenes and, and doing the, 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 the party scene and a few things that were above ground. And, and uh, uh, Rodrigo and, and Juliet and uh, Cote, and, they were just starting after we oh, wow. underground for two and a half months. Oh, really? You know? And so, yeah, the one scene that I shared with Rodrigo was, was, was us in a, in a mine uh, uh, set, the only time they ever built a set, so that they could put the video on us and Gabriel right. and uh, uh, yeah, uh, Rodrigo were about you know 100 feet away in, in the uh, office set, you know, so that they connect, could connect the two. And we could actually yeah. act to each other like we're doing right now. And yeah. that's so that's the only scene we had together, but the only uh, uh, the only time we got to overlap in uh, you know our, our connection. So we had a, a few nice dinners, you know, while we were there for. Uh, <laughs> well, he, he he his his character. I mean, you you realize at any minute if somebody gave up they all would have been dead and everybody just kept plugging away. Yeah. Plugging away. Would have been done. Right. Yeah. And, and like I said, it feels like it's going to be cliched and it gets you, especially I'm going to talk about the, um, the last supper scene or whatever that yeah. scene where everybody is. Yeah. Now, mm-hmm. I, from what I understand, they all did that. I guess when they were down yeah. there, they would pretend they did. But that scene is just, just beautifully shot and yeah. acted every character gets their little moment in that scene and it's just Mm -hmm. really quite affecting as I said earlier I just didn't expect to be touched
what are you doing here? Look how skinny you are, Johnny. Eat. And then when they all come up and they're wearing the Chilean shirts and they're yeah. she duplicated the scenes that happened when those people came out. It's just yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, I have to admit it quite a lot. Yeah. And it's interesting because uh, there are a couple of people in the film, the the, the Chilean uh, uh, celebrity, television celebrity. He was really there. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it was nice to have him. And actually, the uh, the English reporter was actually reporting it. He was, oh, he was right. really there. Wow. Uh, but I also have to say, as far as that Last Supper scene goes, once again, that the, the sort of vision of all that, that magical realism, you yeah. know, that's very much a, a Mexican-American you know, uh, or a Mexican uh, uh, storytelling technique. And, and uh, mm-hmm. once again, why Patricia Regan was absolutely the best person to, to have directed this film. And she executed it beautifully, too. Beautiful job, And I love the transition out where it just goes back into, like, the darkness of where they are and all. Mm-hmm. And I, I think my wife cried that scene. You know, I got yeah. a little teary-eyed a couple times. I'm, I'm kind of a cynic, but, you know, this film... Kind of. <laughs> there was there was a there was another angle that really um, resonated with me. Uh, I'm glad that it's you on the podcast. It's clearly you and Rodrigo Santoro's characters are the ones that I connected with the most. But there's something about, uh, and I'm not saying this as a joke on current events. I'm saying this as a real uh, reaction to current events. There's a real crisis, and professional adults are in charge, and they're going to do what they can do. And it reminded me of uh, of Contagion by your uh, director, yep. Steven Soderbergh, which is, yes. I mean, to me, that's basically a 9-11 movie, but it's about a yep. crisis that we're now in, in real life. And they're, the people who want to help us, they know what they're doing. They believe that they're doing things that are right. They're, they learned it. And that was, it was, you know, I mean, I knew that everybody made it out of the mine, but I yeah. really did get to see why everybody made it out of the mine. I can't exactly. explain yeah. why they all exactly. live, but I can't explain why and they all survive. stories. They're background <laughs> stories. I mean, I remember watching just like we watched TV on 9-11. We watched when Jessica mm-hmm. on the well. There's so many things that you can't stop watching. Mm-hmm. But like Lou said, it is very human because I didn't know yeah. the stories of any of those guys. Not a one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, well, I mean, I remember the, um, there. Hmm? I remember the wife and the girlfriend thing. I think that was making that guy very, very famous, you know. Yeah, Yeah. and I got to say, having Oscar Nunez in a mine, you know, for 12, thank goodness, that man is hilarious. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that is in stitches. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. He he developed this one character who who was like the, 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 the most in the background Background extra minor. He wants to take over the whole production. You know, I learned so so many things at acting class. I want to talk about so many things. He was just go on for you know just riffing, man. He was hilarious. What a lovely man. That's funny. Was it ever? I mean, you've mentioned in the mine um, how it was actually cold and it was much different. Was it ever scary in any sense? Because no matter what, you are in a mine. You are in yep. a real mine, and you're doing a story about men who got trapped and almost died yeah. in a mine. Yeah. yeah. Um, interestingly enough, the one, the, the tourist mine, even though it was it was very very primitive. I mean, literally, uh, you know, the the uh, it, it looked like something out of you know Snow White because you know it was you know old beams, you know, and, and you had to mm-hmm. you know crouch over to walk in, uh, and it opened up, but it was actually very beautiful inside once you were in there. 
um, you got very acclimated to that. The second mine, as I said, that you could drive the trucks into and whatnot, once the deeper you got, the more noxious it got. And, and um, mm-hmm. you know, there were a number of crew members and a, and, and a few uh, 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 actors that, you know, had, had to, you know, go out for a break every once in a while because uh, they, they had asthma or they had, you know, respiratory uh, issues mm-hmm. um, because it was, it was just not healthy. You could tell that it was not mm-hmm. healthy. And, and uh, you know, I thank God every day that, you know, uh, uh, I, I was an actor and that I didn't actually have to do that for a living. Um, yeah, yeah the seriously. Time, the only time I ever actually felt quite honestly afraid uh, was, was doing the scene. And maybe it's psychological. Maybe it's 100% psychological is that driving from the exterior into the interior, we drove into an abandoned mine a mile away from where the actual event happened Mm -hmm. in Chile, in the Atacama desert, that, that, that black hole. We drove in there about a hundred yards, found a turnaround and then drove out. But in that hundred yards, I'm thinking, Oh my God, if any, if any mine's coming down, it's going to be this one. And, you know, we must have done like six takes of that. And as soon as we were finished with that, I was, I was very relieved because that, I, I, that one was really impressive. And as I said, maybe it's just that it was so close to the actual site. The fact that it was abandoned, that, that, uh, you know, it, uh, and and the Atacama Desert is prone to earthquakes, you know, I mean, there, 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 there were a lot of, yeah, there was the glamorous life of a Hollywood actor. (laughs) That's true. In this awful motel, it was freezing, I had no hot water. I mean, but I think that's important for people, for the general public to know, because people just think, oh, Lou Diamond Phillips, the bomba, and he's been in all this stuff, and blah, blah, blah. And they, you know, I think people misinterpret how things can be on set sometimes. I, you know, it's, 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 we, I just did a, a nice set visit uh, not long ago uh, for the ACLU, Southern California, actually. Uh, and, and, um, I think people are amazed. They're amazed by, by two things. Number one, the, the size of the crew. I don't think they realize that it takes 100, 150 people on an average film crew to do a television show or a movie. If it's a movie, they, they could be twice that size, depending on, on you know, how big the movie is. Uh, uh, because, and everybody has a job. You know? And then the second, the second thing that, that amazes them is how long it takes. You know? They, yeah, they, yeah. they think you do the scene once and then it's done. You know, right. It's like you do one, you know, you do one angle 12 times, then you move on to eight more angles. You know, mm-hmm. it's just, you, you, you spend all day long filming two minutes worth of, you know, of screen time. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that that kind of blows people's minds. Yeah. And we got to experience if you're outside, that. you know, if you're outside at two o'clock in the morning and it's raining. That's the way oh, it is. You know, yeah, exactly. uh, yeah, I, I, I've, I've shot so many times. I mean, like on Longmire, shooting in the high desert. We started in March, you know, there are day exteriors where I'm out there in a final shirt and a jean jacket and it's, you know, and it's 28 degrees, but you know, yes. that's, you got to make it a little warm. Acting. That's acting. Acting. <laughs> Genius. <laughs> we got a little experience of that when we went and filmed, uh, or no, we didn't film, but we, we were on the set for major league two and it was filmed in Baltimore. Oh Camden my Yard. gosh. Classic. And, and it was the same kind of thing. So we were, it was Freezing. It, was freezing. it was toward the end of October. It was freezing. We were dressed, which would not fly now, like Native Americans, like the, you know. Um, and, and we're all bundled up in these clothes. And, and the, the director would say, okay, people, I need you to take your parkas off, and we've got to shoot this yeah. scene, even though we were in the background. It's yeah. 
supposed to be spring. Yep. It was so cold. It was freezing. Yep. We also got to experience how you were saying that you see a scene that's got that takes like ten seconds. We we did some of those where it was like you know fifteen takes of you know this little ten second scene that they had like the guy yeah. back to the wall and after, you know yeah David and we had to, does we had to pantomime our sounds because they piped the sound in later. So like we had to be cheering. Yeah. Yeah. Sound. It was kind yeah. of interesting to see some. Debbie, of did you and want then, to jump and then in? We went oh. to see yes. it. I have a question for Lou. I have a question for yes. Lou. Um, I love you. I, I think you're so That's handsome. That's more of a statement. Oh, my gosh. You're so handsome. You're um, <laughs> um, two, two of the funniest mo- uh, parts of the movie is when uh, Bolivian was saying that he was afraid he was going to get eaten. Mm-mm. Was that authentic? Did that uh, really yeah, happen? There, 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 was one, there was one Bolivian guy down there, and you know, I'm talking about racism. You know, all, all the Chileans, you know uh, – um, uh, were you know a little standoffish to this guy, so that that story of sort of redemption and, and uh, uh, camaraderie, you know, uh, it, it was very it was not manufactured. It's very that was, that was very much part of uh, uh, like of chicken, the real story. It got turned nicely into it, and that's the thing too is that, is that that's one of the, the you keep thinking that that. They're injecting the humor into into the uh, uh, into the story. The truth of the matter is, this is how those guys got through it. Right? They, yeah. they, they had a great sense of humor about things. They mm-hmm. they they could they could have this gallows humor. They could have this dark, you know, black comedy about it because you know if if they if they didn't laugh, they would have you know broken down in despair every single day. I don't know how. You know? Laugh so so yeah. they they you know they 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 got through it in that respect. But the fact that you know, are we going to have to eventually eat somebody? I'm sure that crossed yeah. a few minds. Not oh, funny, oh, but yeah. not funny, but not. Yeah. 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 And then other funny, I, you know. Yeah, uh, and then the, the other you know, funny part. Alive, the airplane. Yep. And then the other question about the other funny part is when the guy was so hilarious, and he says, "You know, he's an old man. He's got two weeks to retire." And he says, "I quit." Hilarious. This is my last meal. Yes, That's what I mean. It was it was strewn yeah. throughout with some humor. Obviously, oh, all the human all human emotion was in that film. And, and like I said, you walk in thinking it's going to be cliched, and by the end of it, you're crying with everybody else. You're cheering with everybody yeah. else. It just it nailed it. All the stress about all the things everybody had to go through. So. I think it was. I think I, I say Yupikaya, great movie. More people should see it. They it's always streaming now. You can end. get it anywhere. <laughs> well, um, you know, you you know, wait, wait, we've talked a lot of stories, but I I, I want to talk about the movie because I'd never seen it before. And to be honest with you, I I, I really didn't have a desire to see it because I felt like I knew everything from from the news. Yeah. yeah. And then when I watched it, first of all, that collapse scene was yeah. horrific. Oh, and. Man. And I was like, wow, what a way to start this movie. And how did no one get hurt in that yeah. initial thing? Yeah. Forget about yeah, the rest of it. So then the other thing was, I remember it happening. I remember them getting saved, but I had no concept that they were down there for over two months. So yeah. when I saw that, I was like, that was unbelievable to me. And I remember as, as reviewing this movie, this is how, how guilty I felt. At one point, it got slow. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, it's kind of dragging right now. And then right away, I felt guilty because of the <laughs> 10 minutes of it was dragging, and they were stuck there for two right. months. So I'm like, yeah, yeah. yeah. wake up. Yeah. a movie that's a little longer than two hours. In your, yeah. So, and, and then um, the, the contrast in when they shot down in the mine, 
and whenever they went above ground, how bright it was yeah. in the yeah. desert and how dark, especially when you guys just had the, the headlamps for the first part of the movie. I yeah. thought that was amazing. I thought Horner's score was not, like nothing I've ever seen him hear from him before. Yeah. And, you're, and, and I want to go back to something Drew said. That scene, listen, I did a lot of uh, 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 theater. But when I saw you, that one scene where you were the last one and you had your moment where it was like the weight of everybody's lives, were, mm-hmm. now that you knew they were safe, you broke down a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought that scene, I got, in fact, describing it, I'm getting chills about it. That scene I'm getting chills now, too. For you, <laughs> and I thought you nailed it. Thank and you. Then, yeah, yeah, you know, them coming out of the thing was great, too. But that last scene with, with all the real miners yeah. in the black and white, yeah. where you see the face, it reminded me of Band of Brothers. Yeah. The whole time you get to know these people, but you don't know their names till the last episode, and then you see where everybody was. That's what it was like for me. I was like, wow, that's who that yeah. was? That's who that was? Uh, so I, I, I wish more people would see this because it, it's not a downer movie. And everyone said, well, I know the ending. And to your point, everyone knows La Bamba ending, too. Apollo 13. Anybody right. see that movie? Yeah. We know yeah. that. I mean, I mean it was there's still so great. many. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, we know the ending. The Titanic. And yeah, the tension, Titanic. No, <laughs> not quite the same, but yeah. The tension was great to the movie, and, and the performances were great, and I thought that the humor that they used was great, too. And more people should see it. My wife and I both, by the way, my wife and my old business partner want me to say they love you on Longmire. They think you're excellent on Longmire. Yeah. <laughs> now, Most I of the said, questions they told we me got, you were going to be which... on this, and you picked the 33. I was the one who said, why the hell is he doing La Bamba? <laughs> I that for days. And I said, do you know how many times he's probably had to talk about La- I know, but I want you to know this. In my opinion, it's one of the top five. La Bamba is one of the top five uh, musical documentary performances. I and I put yeah. I put uh, Gary Busey, Buddy Holly, yep. yes, uh, Rami Malek in Bohemian Rhapsody, yes. Kurt Russell who played Elvis, and you. Yep. Anytime I hear those uh, La Bamba song, I think of you playing it. And so I just want you to know that I, I want to get that out too. We're not going to talk about La Bamba. But and, and there's no BS with us, as did. you can tell. We're not going to we're not going to tell you we think you were great. If you know. Oh, no, if you sucked, I would have And then we say, wow, didn't you suck in that, you know? <laughs> no, that scene, that one scene especially, I thought, wow, that's, that's, and that was nice. That was a nice moment for you. So It, it wasn't anyway, that I, way. It was actually very sweet after the first take. We only did it twice. Oh, wow. really? Wow. Yeah. After the first take, Patricia walked up to me and she said, thank you. Nice. Wow. It I've never done theater and it touched me as well, John, just so you know. Well, but you don't understand emoting. You just Probably don't not. know, all right? <laughs> all right? He can edit. Lou, he can edit the crap out of anything, but he can't. <laughs> okay. Wojo. We've got to make sure we ask uh, the questions. If that's okay. Yeah, I think we should slip because we're well, getting Well, let's do yippee Kai up or down first. Well, I say yippee Oh, come yippee on. Kai Who's going to give Yippee-ki-nay? Nobody. Nobody. I don't know. I, know. I didn't see any thumbs up from Drew. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Watch out. He'll drop the F-bomb on this one, so. <laughs> All right, so Wojo, you got some a couple. Of, are you okay, Lou? If we yeah, ask we you got, questions, yeah. Right. Okay, um, I'll ask mine, and then Sean, if you want to ask the ones that uh, people sent in. So this one was from Mark Ray, who is a writer um, who's in the American Society of Journalists and Authors. I was posting yeah. this everywhere. So he said, "I'd be yeah. hearing how he created the char- character of Henry Standing Bear on Longmire, who's much different from the character in the novels, which is true of most of the characters for what it's worth. 
From a writer's perspective, I find Henry's formal speech pattern, he never uses contractions, for example, very distinctive. Yeah, a um, couple of things. Uh, first of all, you're very, very fortunate if you've got books to refer to. And Craig Johnson uh, has become a very dear friend of mine. Uh, and his wife, Judy, as a matter of fact, they've been, they've been incredibly helpful, you know, about my own book that's coming out in October. Uh, and we're going to be doing a couple of, uh, uh, you know, things together. Um, as soon as I got the, uh, the the call for the audition for that one uh, and found out they were based on books, I went out and bought The Cold Dish. And I read it. And what was interesting is right there in The Cold Dish, it says, Henry Standing Bear never uses contractions. So I, I literally, and this is funny because I literally took all the contractions out of the sides for the audition. Uh-huh. Wow. Uh, uh, and the, and Craig and Judy are sitting at home. He tells this story a lot. Craig and Judy are sitting at home uh, watching all the auditions, and then they see mine, and they, they, they listen to the scene, and Craig goes, he's read the books! <laughs> there's, no mention, there's no mention in the teleplay about the contractions. So I became, I became the contraction police after that point. And every script for six seasons, I made sure that Henry, you know, maintained that idiosyncrasy. So not looking like what is described in the book. I mean, uh, Henry Standing Bear is, you know, the, the, the Cheyenne Nation, is, as uh, Craig refers to him, is like 6'4", 250, you know. <laughs> I always saw Will Sampson from Cuckoo's Nest. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and, what, and what sucks even more is I'm six foot tall, okay? <laughs> Rob Taylor, who plays Walt, Walt Longmire, is like 6'3", six, 6'3", three, six, three, you know, uh, uh, Bartley's 5'11", uh, 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 Branch, uh, 6'2", you know. And, and, and mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, uh, I, I can't believe his name just went right out, right out of my head. It's a tall cast. Cassidy Freeman's like 5'11". So all of a sudden, I look like Hervé Villachez. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I want to say that I'm, yeah, I'm and, glad and, you so, decided so, to do that and follow the books. Because it really makes that character really distinctive, and it, yeah, like, it adds a real dignity to the character. I think too. Well, there's a dignity to mm-hmm. there's a dignity to his uh, character in the books. I mean, they 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 actually aged us down a little bit because Walt and uh, Henry uh, had served in Vietnam together, mm-hmm. uh, and you know had had you know this incredibly long relationship. So the 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 novel, you know, were were 100 the touchstone for me. Uh, very, very much because he's, he's a, a, a somewhat uh, laconic character. He, you know, he, he's very precise with his language. He doesn't talk a lot. So a lot had to be said between the lines, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it was very important that uh, uh, I, I try to bring that dignity. And part of the other thing that I did was to, to immediately, uh, uh, before we started filming the pilot, once I actually had the job, I, I, I on my own dime, went up to the Lane Deer uh, Reservation in uh, uh, Wyoming and uh, spent some time with the Northern Cheyenne people uh, and uh, did ceremony up there and, and try to kind of capture, you know, uh, some specifics. Mm-hmm. Uh, every, you know, I, I played so many Native American roles that I, I try, if I'm Lakota, I, I try to follow that way. If I played Navajo, like in the dark wind, you know, the, you, you can't, it's like saying, okay, I'm going to play Latino. No, right. there, there are specific <laughs> communities, there are specific you know, uh, uh, cultural affectations that, that, that come with the territory. So I, I believe in, in having that. <laughs> and, and do you think that's why, because when I interviewed you before, you told me the character you're playing on Prodigal Son is only the second Filipino character you've ever played. And that was because you said 
Hey, yeah. my backstory, can this guy be Filipino? Yeah. It seems like you're an actor who you don't get backlash for playing other other people, you other know, cultures. other cultures. And it, do you think it's because that you do I, kind of research? I, I'd like to think... I think that, they all that, just saw La Bamba and fell in love and that's been it. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I'd like to think it's because I play them well. Uh, but no, I mean, <laughs> oh, well, you know, okay. Well, that, yeah. well, no, I mean, but, you know, I mean from, from, from Jump Street, uh, it starts with respect. You yeah. know, I mean, I... I'm Scott Irish, Filipino, Polynesian. I'm part Viking. I got my, according to my, my first cousin, we're Cherokee on my father's side. I'm never going to play what I am. Right. Okay? right. I'm, you know, I can't, I can't wait for that role to come along. Mm-hmm. So I've always been cast for what I can look like mm-hmm. and what I can approximate. And, and I, I realize that I'm a mutt. And so and yeah. what it's allowed me to do is, is to be amorphous, you know, and, and, but to do that, I, I cannot give an ersatz performance. I, I have to go in and and be as authentic as possible. You know, mm-hmm. uh, there are certain roles that I will never play. There are certain roles that I shouldn't play. But there are American roles. There are global roles that I fit into. Mm-hmm. You know, I played Tashira Mafuni's son, and we were both playing Inuit people, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and at the time, especially through the 80s and the 90s, you know, at the time – there were not that many actors of color of note. Yeah. And, and it became a thing. I thank goodness. Now we have so many actors from different backgrounds. I mean, Longmire is a perfect example. And I, and I, I, oh, I don't mean no. to pat myself on the back, but I'm the one who brought up Graham Green. I'm the one who brought up Tantu Cardinal. I brought up uh, Gary Farmer and Julia Jones. I pitched them for roles, you know, mm-hmm. Zama we found, you know, but, but, I have forever, and especially when I'm a director, tried to open the door and to level the playing field and to bring in more diversity whenever we can. And that authenticity has got to be there. And, and I am an ally of, of authenticity, even though, you know, I, I, I can't. And I'm the first one to go, okay, I am not authentically Cheyenne. I am not right. authentically Chilean. But right. with your permission, I'd love to represent you. Well, right. done a hell of a job. Okay, yeah. let's get through these uh, Bailey questions. Chase, I don't want... Bailey Chase, what? I feel terrible. I feel terrible that I did his name. Uh, Bailey Chase. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Should I show the okay. other camera now? Um, from Twitter, um, at Angie F. Sutton asked, I'd be curious if he's seen an interest bump in his older stuff now that he's been on Prodigal Son. She's in a fan group for Michael Sheen, and there were a lot of young people who didn't know who you were. That's crazy to me. It reminds me of, um, was it Kanye? Who played with Paul McCartney and then people? Uh, Kanye. Oh, yeah. wasn't all that these, nice of Kanye to so, help that old yeah, white man? And I was right. like, that was, that was really sweet of him, you know, to give that guy some attention because he's yeah. so overlooked. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, have you had people looking in? Do you think there's been any kind of interest? I mean, obviously... People say Lou Diamond Phillips. What do they think of La Bamba or now Longmire? Because or Young Guns. Young Guns is, is, is what's really actor. come yeah. through. Most I've, girls I've been fortunate to fall in love with you with Young Guns. Thank you. Our yeah. limits. Yeah, Brad yeah. and I watch both Young Guns. There's a little something for everyone. Right. Really <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, yes, and you know, a, a younger generation. Yeah, I, I don't expect them to be watching 30 year old films. You know, I mean, the beauty of it is, is a lot of them, a lot of them really hold up. 
Uh, yeah. Strangely enough, you know, I mean, Netflix just put Young Guns and, and like La Bamba and Stand and Deliver back in rotation. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, people are discovering them all the time. Um, Courage Under Fire, things like that. You know, the, yeah. the big hit. You know, Courage Under Fire. Oh, I loved you in that movie because he hated you so much. He hated me. Exactly. And I yeah. always say to Brad, when, when an actor is particularly good, I get this emotional resonance. If I absolutely hate someone, that is a great actor. When, if I hate that character, you know, and, and man. That and was, you were supposed to, you know. Yeah, well, yeah. So, yeah. Really? You know, it's, it's, <laughs> well, you did. He played the Night Stalker as well, right? Richard. Yeah. Yeah. And, so. once, and once again, that took a lot of research. And, and I got down to 100, 152 pounds for that. Wow. Uh, but I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's funny that you say that and, and it's like, you got to get to the point where you go, oh, oh, okay. I can't take it personally that, you know, somebody doesn't know who I am or they, you know, I, the one, the one that always gets me is, uh, you know, somebody saw me in La Bama and now sees me in Prodigal. So it's like, what have you been doing all this time? <laughs> no, no, no. What's your name? Yeah. <laughs> or not IMDB. You'll see. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, here's my last question, then Sean has a couple from people, and then I'm going to ask you about your book, and then we'll let you get back to your life. Okay, here we go. Uh, Sean Kathleen McDonald asked on Facebook, what have you been doing that you wouldn't have had the opportunity to do during the pandemic? Uh, A lot of writing, you know, mostly. I mean, uh, um, I literally, literally was editing, uh, doing the final draft of the edit, uh, on uh, the Tinderbox Soldier of Indira while uh, we were filming, you know, um, Prodigal Son. And yeah. once we stopped filming, I immediately had, you know, that, that could become my entire focus. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm also um, developing a, uh, a, a mini series based on a, a friend of mine's novel. Uh, and I was able to focus on, on doing uh, another episode of that. So we've got a number of those in the can now, too. So, you know, you really, you know, kind of yeah. focusing on, on, on the writing a little bit more. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, uh, th- other than that, going a little stir crazy. You're a big foodie. You're a big foodie, aren't you? I cook every night. Yeah. You, I, I, he, I, you, I, you have to check his off. Twitter. Celebrity cook-off. I want to know if this is true. You said when you're about to be judged, turn off the oven. And turn on the charm. That's a quote from you. Is it? Celebrity cook <laughs> I, I found I, it on listen, YouTube. I, don't, I, don't I laughed my ass off. Like, that was great. <laughs> you said it like that, too. Turn on the charm. It's like you just got together with all your friends from high school and they're throwing stuff in your face like, remember when you did this? Oh, that was yeah. great. Okay, Sean, I know you had a couple questions. Okay, this one's um, from Jenna Healy Globe on Facebook. She's a friend. She's a screenwriter. And she says, and I've wrote a script with her, actually, is there a role you turned down that you wish you hadn't? Yes. Oh, you want to know what it is? <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Uh, yeah, no, they're... Um, one in particular... Uh, and, and, and it was, it, it, it taught me a, a huge lesson, a huge lesson. Uh, it was early on. It was after uh, La Bamba and Stand and Deliver. And especially because of Stand and Deliver, I was getting a lot of independent films. And, uh, yeah, and I had already said yes to three, maybe four independent films that didn't have their money yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think maybe three. So I had attached myself to them. And... Then the fourth script comes through the door, 
for some reason, being from Texas, I don't know, I, I, I just kind of looked at the title and went, eh, eh, I don't know, that just doesn't sound interesting to me. I think my, I don't know if my agent had read it. Um, the it, it was going to be for scale because it was independent. It was a director that nobody had ever heard of. And I literally, I, I, I asked my agent and I, and I said, what, what do you think? Because I had to worry about it. And I went, okay, fine. And I put it out of my head until the movie came out. Uh, and then, and, and, and I learned, I really, I learned my lessons. Like read everything. I don't care what it is. There, there have been scripts that I've read that have been like, I get into, you know, 10 pages and I go, I know this isn't for me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But, uh, uh, the script was drugstore cowboy and oh, the director was oh, oh. and uh, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, Dylan was great. Matt Dylan was fantastic. And uh, we would have been very different from one another, but I had the script mm-hmm. first. Mm-hmm. And if I had read it, I probably would have done it. And that was, that was a massive mistake on my part. Yeah. Well, it's, it's funny because um, one, one actor whom I interviewed, and he recently passed away, um, Fred Willard, he told me. Well, I, I loved him. We, we worked together a few times. I, 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 I asked him that question. He was, he was so nice. And I asked him that question, and he said, well, you're not going to believe this, but he had done a number of films that had not done well in the 70s, and he was offered the role of Ted Stryker in Airplane, <laughs> and he turned it down because he read it. He said, and, and I, he said, I read it, and I thought, this could go one way or the other. It's either, he, he said, yeah. it could just be so hokey, yeah. and, um, and uh, was that the, the, is- the Zucker Brothers? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The rest is they history. never called him for a role ever again. <laughs> I, I completely ticked them off. And, and it turned Leslie Nielsen into a superstar. Yeah. yeah. The comic superstar. Lloyd Bridges. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. Ma- massive. Yeah. Uh, you got another question, Sean? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. Well, you probably been asked many times, too. I'm sorry. What are you saying, Lou? No, I was just going to say uh, another story of uh, uh, co-tailing on the other. My mentor, Adam Rourke, who taught me film acting in, uh, you know, back in Dallas, Texas, uh, had done all the biker films in the 70s. He had done so many Dick Clark movies, you know, Hell's Bells and Hell's Angels on Wheels, and all of these things. And he had done so many of them. And then uh, his, uh, a friend of his called him up to do another biker film. And he said, I just, I can't, I can't do another biker film. Oh, no. It's my career. It's totally killed my career. Dennis Hopper, I cannot do. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> Oops. Oops. Yeah. Okay, oh, here's from Ann Pliska. And it's probably a question you get asked all the time as well. Which role did you enjoy most and which did you find most challenging? Uh, you know, those are two sides of the same coin a lot of times, quite honestly. Uh, I, I, I loved the experience of La Bamba. I loved getting close to the family. I was scared shitless every single day. Uh, I, 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 Didn't they threaten you? Didn't his brother threaten yeah. you? Well, it wasn't. It wasn't. Song. It wasn't. Oh, uh, um, Bob? No, Bob Morales was a massive supporter of mine. He was so oh, kind to me. Was it Los Lobos no, no, who no. threatened to get? I, I no, heard no, someone t- say, t- you t- better t- get t- that t- lip sync. Hmm? Yeah, no, t- Taylor Hatford, the producer, who, you know, did Ray and did, you know, uh, an amazing, brilliant director, producer, president of the DGA for a while. Literally on the third day of filming, he said, kid, you know, you better knock this out of the park. We're sending you back to Texas. And, wow. and no he pressure. made it. No and so, pressure. Yeah, no. So I, I, I literally, I was scared to death every single night. So there's that. Uh, and then I have to say, 
the most fun I've two films, the most fun three actually. The most fun I've ever had was you know the Young Guns films. I mean that was you know complete. Mm-hmm. You know some twenty twenty year old guys out playing yeah. cowboys and Indians and mm-hmm. doing stuff that thank God there weren't camera phones around at the time. And then you know uh, the only time that ever got replicated was the big hit because mm-hmm. it was that yeah. role was just so over the top. Kirk Wong just let me go. He just I, he let me ad lib mm-hmm. a lot of stuff. Let, if it, if it was crazy, he would he would let me go right up to the line a lot of times. I mean there were times. That, he had this ridiculous laugh. I could hear him from the monitor. He'd go, <laughs> <laughs> But I have a question for one of my followers. His name's John Quattrusi. All right. <laughs> I know you do a lot. Actually, I got this. I ask people ask questions on Facebook, too. And one of them was, uh, I didn't know this about you, but you do a lot on the military channel. And I know your background. I don't know if this is true or not. This is what I read. You were named after Mr. Leatherneck, a Marine. Yeah. So how, how did you get involved with the military channel and why do you even do that? Um, yeah, I was named after gunnery sergeant, uh, uh, Leland Lou diamond, you know, that, my dad read a book about him when I was born. Uh, I was raised on Navy bases, uh, you know, around the world. I mean, the Philippines and, you know, a, a lot of, st- a lot of bases, uh, finally, uh, you know, NAS Corpus Christi. Uh, so, so my, the military has been part of my life for a long time and I've supported a lot of, you know, uh, um, military organizations, the USO, uh, the VA. I was a spokesperson for them for a couple of years. Wounded warriors. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just part of who I am and part of, you know, uh, uh, how I grew up. And I think when the, the military channel, which uh, is no longer, by the way, it's now the, the Heroes Channel or some USA Channel. Heroes channel. Yeah. Uh, uh, when they were doing this show and officer in the movie, they thought, you know, let's let's marry Hollywood and uh and the military together and, and uh I am one of the few people that kinda, you know, bridges that those two worlds. Uh mm-hmm. and I was I was thrilled to have done it, you know. Uh it was it was really a uh um an educational and fascinating thing for me. And I'm sorry I'm sorry that they uh that they that they we did like three seasons. Uh I'm sorry that they uh, stopped doing it. Well this guy stuff. was a veteran and wanted wanted to say thank you. Uh, I, I thank them. I thank them, you know, all the time. Whenever I get the opportunity, uh, you know, I, I got to speak at the wall a couple of years ago on, on Memorial Day. And, you know, so, so whenever I'm asked, I, I, I love to, to toe the line and do what I can. Nice. You're so down to earth. That's one of the things I like. <laughs> You're just such a normal guy. When I told the guys you were coming on, they said, seriously, are you lying to us? And I said, I'm telling you, he's a normal guy. Oh, that's a bunch of crap. We never well, said let's, that. Let's, let's we never said normal. that. Wait, I got a question. I have a question. Let's see how normal. Uh, Lou, have you ever seen the movie The Counselor? <laughs> oh, my God, bro. Do not. We, I, damn it. No. I'm going to ask you about that, your, that one. That one I have movie. Seen. have not seen The Counselor. Oh, you are week. a lucky man, Lou. You are. It's, it's no. Do not. I swear to God, Ralph. I swear to God. It's my guilty pleasure that everybody hates. That's all. That's, that's why that's the yeah, running, running gag on our podcast. Not but, just yeah, everyone on the podcast. I think. No, everyone. I said everyone. <laughs> so. All right, Lou, why don't you tell us a bit about your book? It's coming out in September. No, it's actually, we got, we got pushed a little bit. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, well, a lot of okay. stuff's getting coming yeah. out right now. Coming out in uh, October, on October 20th. Okay. Uh, it's available for pre-order now. Uh, it's from Athon Books, A-E-T-H-O-N. You can go on their site. Uh, but it's also available on uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Uh, What's it called? Kindle. It's called The Tinderbox, 
uh, the subtitle is Soldier of Indira. And it actually is a reimagining of uh, Hans Christian Andersen's The Tinderbox, that, you know, the short story. Uh, and yet uh, my, my wife, Yvonne, had done these amazing illustrations when we first met. Uh, I, I was looking at all this incredible stuff that she had done. And she had done, she was doing sort of an anime series inspired by that novel. I said, wow, this is, this is like something big. We should do something with this. And, you know, uh, and so I stole the idea from her, <laughs> you know, and, and created. And you uh, stole her Zoom account. So That's why you're giving her credit on your Zoom account. It says Yvonne Phillips, which That's basically, right. basically means she owns everything I do ever for, for, <laughs> throughout the so, universe. So I created it as this, as this sort of sci fantasy fairy tale uh, uh, mm -hmm. set in another world. I mean, you know, this, the, the, the pop culture uh, uh, influences are going to be very obvious. You know, I mean, you've got Star Wars, you've got Avatar, you've got, you know, all of these sort of other things. But I mean, even going back to Romeo and Juliet and The Once and mm -hmm. Future King, uh, you know, Cinematic the possibility? I mean, what's that? Cinematic possibility. Oh, <laughs> I'm just uh -oh. yeah, yeah. For a second, like it. Oh. It would, it would make it. It would make an amazing film. Something that I would love to direct. And and there's a way for an ethnic dad in it too. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. Had you ever done well, writing of this? Man. Job security, you know. <laughs> Had you ever done any kind of fiction writing before? Yeah, I mean, I, I've 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 written a number of screenplays. I've written a number of uh, 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 the, a play that I wrote uh, uh, got its uh, professional uh, pr production in uh, Connecticut at the Seven Angels Theater in Waterbury a couple of years ago. Uh, mm -hmm. I've been writing for as long as I've been acting. The funny thing is, I was going to be a writer first, and uh, uh, I remember my you know my Navy dad said, "Well, so maybe I'll think of some you know that might make a little bit more money." <laughs> I, I, I came back a year later and I want to be an actor. And he went, Then he said, Did you understand? That's what I had in mind, right. son. Yeah. 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 Oh, well, yeah, he, is, he is a little foghorn leghorn, I have to admit. Well, that's a But yeah, so, so, but I hadn't done any narrative writing in, in a long time, in a long time. And uh, uh, so it was, it was, it was a lot of fun, man. It was a lot of fun to get back into it. And I, I have to say, yes, Craig Johnson, the Longmire author, gave his, he and his wife, Judy, gave me some great notes. Uh, my friend Chris Borjalian, you know, who's written the, the Red Lotus, he's got The Flight Attendant coming out on HBO Max as a miniseries very soon. Um, mm -hmm. You know, he, he was so helpful in the writing as well. Red Bruno, I've got to say, the, uh, the, the, uh, the publisher uh, who gave me all the notes for the final edit was incredibly uh uh, illuminating, uh, as well as Penelope Burns, uh, who's my agent. Uh, my, my literary agent. I have a literary agent now. <laughs> Ooh, uh, look at you. Ooh. Yeah, I know. Well, right? We got first book in my pipe. fancy people uh, on this show. Well, it's, it's, a, <laughs> it's, it's a beautiful book, and, and Yvonne is doing some amazing, amazing illustrations for it. So it really does try to pay homage. I'm, and I wrote it in a slightly heightened language, even though it's sort of a fantasy, kind of sci-fi, otherworldly mm -hmm. thing. Uh, to, to, to be reminiscent of Hans Christian Andersen or Lewis Carroll. There's a nice, speaking of sense of humor, there's a nice little wordplay and sense of humor to it. Mm -hmm. uh, it tries to create, you know, a totally different world, a kind of through the looking glass kind of world. Um, and, and, and I'm hoping people are going to enjoy it, that, that it's, uh, you know, a, a lovely read. Great. Excellent. Great. 
And I want to say something. I want to say something. I want people to know that Lou didn't come on to promote his book. We said we would promote his book to thank him for being on it. I just want you to know that. Thank you very much. You're welcome. I don't want people to think otherwise. Now, when I have a book, it'll be different, but for you. (laughs) Hold me up. Sean, there we go. I have a a quick question for you. My wife and I are are big fans. Uh, You've guested on two of our favorite shows, Another Period and Southland. Um, I love those shows. Different roles. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, that's, I mean, you know, you're like a a Kevin Bacon kind of actor. You have had this incredibly long professional career, uh, so many different roles. I've never saw, I've never uh, seen a a movie that you're in where I thought, well, you know, anything other than he's going to be good in that. And that's a really mm-hmm. wonderful place to be professional. Thank you. Uh, I was trying to think of what to ask you, and I, I might almost ask you if, you know, how tall is Katie Sackhoff or something like that. <laughs> but, or if you've seen Mad Max Fury Road, that sort of thing. <laughs> Excellent. But actually, I, uh, I, I sorry. Not I read a, Let's put it no, it's not. It's definitely not. I, uh, she's not. I, um, I read about a project that I believe you are a co-writer of as well as uh, uh, starring in called The Boys of Eloy. Is that a project about a a prison softball team or something? I'm not really a sports movie guy, but it sounded really interesting. Is that, is that something that's actually going to happen? I I co-wrote it. Uh, I co-wrote it. We'll see who ends up directing it. We'll see, you know, it's, it's been kicking around for a few years. Uh, We'll see if I've aged out of the role uh, of the coach. (laughs) Uh, but, but yeah, once again, it's 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 one of those stories, uh, like we talked about earlier. Uh, it's a true story. Uh, it's actually uh, uh, set. Uh, we've retitled it "The Miracle Season." Uh, it, it's set in Eloy, Arizona. It actually happened in the year two thousand, uh, where um, the the local softball coach, the the the, bo- the girls' softball coach, he has two sons. They, they were in the midst of uh, the, the same recession everybody was in the country. People were moving away. People were having to work you know, uh, uh, more jobs. His two sons could not field a baseball team that year because there weren't enough players. And, he, and as the coach of the girls' softball team, he couldn't, he couldn't find enough players either. So he reads the rule book, and there's nothing stopping the, uh, him from putting boys on the girls' team. Mm. So this really happened. He put his sons and a couple of other boys on the girls' softball team. They went on to win uh, the the, the uh, uh, World Series of softball that year. <laughs> Once again, uh, it's it's a matter of history how, that they did it. The story is the journey because it's a journey of racism. It's a journey of you know the the amount of opposition they faced because they had boys on the team. Uh, this, this this these these little these kids they said it themselves like. We just wanted to play. We just wanted to play ball, and it, sure. it blew so out of out of uh, proportion. It became something so much bigger than them, and bigger than their coach. And so it became this really sort of fascinating journey that they went on in dealing with with uh, uh, this this massive amount of hostility. Wow. Well, thank you. This yeah. is what I get for yeah. rummaging around in my wife's IMDb Pro account because you never know exactly <laughs> what the title of something is or what the story is. So. Lou, I got one more question for you. Since it's a movie show. If you're on a desert island and you can only watch one movie for the rest of your life, what movie would it be? <sighs> yeah, I know. Don't say, oh, it's a really tough one. You've got to answer it. <laughs> all right, you know what? I'm, I'm, because it's one of my top three of all time, and it happens to be right over your shoulder, I'm going to go with Casablanca. Oh, I knew he was going to say that. Lou, I am a bigger fan than I was when I started this call. <laughs> 
I thought it would be a noble. He's got it, man. You got it. That's awesome. Well, 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 he's a grinder. You're not on it. You'll regret it. Maybe not today. Maybe not tomorrow. But soon for the rest of your life. Part of his work. Part of the thing that keeps him going. We'll always have Paris. Wait, is oh. that movie? Is that movie nice. black and white? That's yeah, a black that's and white what, film. That movie's a black and white. They don't like black and white movies, Lou. I already Can tried. We- can we have Lou back just to do all the Humphrey Bogart dialogue from the big scene? <laughs> <laughs> Lou, well, I want to thank you for yeah. coming on, for putting up with us, Very for generous. answering our questions. This was a lot of fun. That was a this real was pleasure. A lot of fun. Seriously. Mine. Thank you, guys. And this this is so much fun. I hope a lot of people subscribe. I hope, you know, especially now, this kind of thing is needed and necessary. So thank you. Yeah. God bless you all. And then stay safe and healthy. Okay. Thank you, Lou. Thank, thank you, you very too. much. Thank you really very much. Tell thank you. Thank you.